0: You're listening to episode number 23 of the Boys Build Better podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about keeping up with academics in the summer. Welcome to the Boys Built Better podcast. I'm Jessica, a mom of three boys who is just trying to do things better. I'm coming to you from Fort Collins, Colorado, where I live with my husband, our boys, and a whole lot of four-legged friends. I'm here to share my thoughts on raising boys in today's world, find answers to your parenting questions, and chat with experts about building happy, healthy boys. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for listening today. Today, we are talking about... What's called the summer slide. And if you have never heard that term as a parent, um, the summer slide is a term that's given for the loss of learning that students experience over the months that school is out. Um, And we're going to talk about the research and kind of my plan and what to do about it and, and my own kids a little bit. But specifically, the summer slide We're referring to reading and math. There's probably also learning loss um, in some of the other areas, but there's some research around reading and math. And I've been looking at that a lot this week and thinking about my own kids because summer is quickly approaching. And I feel like there's a couple of things we've learned over the years about how to kind of think about summer learning and how to uh, create a plan for it. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Stay tuned to... to the whole episode because at the end, we're going to be talking about the Boys Built Better Summer Challenge um, in an effort to get everybody doing a little bit more math and reading over the summer. We're going to be running our first challenge. So make sure you listen all the way to the end for the details about that. A little bit about why I've been thinking about the summer slide is for sure because of my own kids and my sort of love-hate relationship with the summer. If you've been listening to the show a long time, I did a show last year called Surviving the Summer, and um, uh, I I struggle sometimes in the summer. I love having a break with my kids. I love being able to go to the pool and kind of be free, but I have always felt that... Well, that's not true. I haven't always felt... I was going to say I've always felt that the summer's too long, but there were eight years or so where I was a teacher and I definitely never felt the summer was too long then. But as a mom with kids in school, I always feel like the summer is too long because I counted. Um, uh, two of my kids are on the same schedule. And my older kid has a different schedule. So the exact days are not the same, but um, my two youngest kids have 99 days in the summer. And so that's almost a third of the year is a really long time. So I have this love-hate relationship with the summer. I love the break, but I've always thought that it's too long and have always been concerned about the amount of time that we are away from academics and struggle. I always have the best of intentions this time of year. I'm always thinking about how we're going to tackle the summer, what our routines are going to be. And usually three weeks in, We Everything falls apart and we do almost nothing and it's so hard to get the kids to do anything. So I'm always thinking about it this time of year and trying to make a new plan, which I've made, which I'm going to be sharing with you today and hopefully we'll be able to hang on to it longer than we typically do. Um, but this is kind of the year I'm always prepping for summer and uh, my kids actually get out of school next week, the same week that this episode airs and I'll have to put my money where my mouth is. But the other reason I've been thinking about it is that particularly with my youngest two, the 10 year old. And it's interesting that I'm thinking about my youngest two because of the research that I've been doing and what I've learned. Maybe I should be focused on my older child and we'll talk about that in a second. But last year I did an episode on transitioning to kindergarten because my youngest was about to go to kindergarten and I was so concerned about his academics, because to be perfectly frank, if I wasn't in that episode from last year, he hardly knew any of his letters and I didn't know why he wasn't remembering them. And it was just a struggle to get him to learn some basics. And I was truly concerned about him going to kindergarten and getting lost and falling behind from the get go, which is something you don't really want, you know, to to start school and be behind. And he really surprised all of us. This year, he did phenomenal in kindergarten. He A year later, I can tell you, he knows all his letters. He is reading early readers. He made it through all the readers that were required of him in kindergarten and now has moved on to some leveled readers. He's also done really great in math and he's very excited about all of it. So I want to have a plan for summer academics to kind of continue this excitement that he has and the motivation that he has for himself, and certainly for him to be able to keep on the same track. I know that first grade in general, having been a teacher, um, can be more demanding in terms of the requirements you need to hit it with your reading, and I would love to send him to first grade prepared. So for his sake, I want to have a great plan to keep up with academics. And then if we talk about my 10-year-old, he is my child that struggles the most with academics. He's always kind of been right at grade level or slightly behind and also been the least willing to maybe put the time and effort in. And he's had a few other difficulties along the way, one of which was that he needed vision therapy. His eyes were not properly moving uh, across the page. And so reading for the longest time was structurally with his eyes extraordinarily difficult and exhausting. So he would make it through the school day, but really wasn't able to put in the time or the effort with his eyes at night. We wound up taking care of that and seeing a vision therapist in first and second grade. And he is doing a lot better. But because of that history, reading for him was always very tedious and he never got any joy about a joy out of it. Now, the great thing that happened for him this year is that changed. We got him on a routine of reading every night. Actually reading almost reading those 20 minutes that I've been signing off on a sheet at school saying that he was doing he was actually doing it this year and his perspective of being a reader changed as well. He will tell you now that he really enjoys it. He's been reading the diary of a wimpy kids series. He's made it through all the books and started them again. And I think it was a combination of being ready and those books, which really changed his perspective and the joy for him, which was a huge accomplishment. And because of that, this year, he went from being in the 40th percentile um, of reading up to the 80th. He was tested in the fall of the 40th. And in the winter, he was tested in the 80th, which is a huge jump for him. So I want to do a couple of things. I want to continue. That progress for him. I don't want him to lose that progress that he made this year, um, especially because he made such a huge gain. And I also want to continue that love of reading and show him how that reading can be uh, an enjoyable activity. And in which he now knows, but just kind of continue that. But that's kind of why I'm thinking about it for uh, my ten year old. The other thing is that we've had several summers now where we've made some realizations. So my two youngest also get packets home from school, which are a great jumping off point. But one of the things that we learned with those packets specifically for math is that my 10 year old would always go to the easiest pages of math and, and save things like multiplication and division for the end of the summer. Well, what we learned was when you save the multiplication facts and the division facts for the end of the summer, that they are really hard to remember. So I think that the other reason why I'm thinking about this is we're thinking about some lessons learned and how we want to tackle those things this summer and make ourselves more successful. Let's move on to the research a little bit. One of the things I was doing just, you know, my whole idea behind this episode is I'm doing some of the same work for myself so that you guys don't have to do it. So I did a lot of research on what people are saying about the summer slide and if it's a real thing. And there's a lot of research dating back. Uh, I think one of the first major studies on the summer slide was done in 1996. And now there's some new studies that are coming out about it. And while they all have kind of different information, there's some similar points that come out um, in regards to this idea every time that it's studied so the general consensus about what students lose over the summer is about 10% of what they learned during the school year. And that equivalent, that is the equivalent to about one month of what they learned in school. And the other general comment about the summer slide is that it is greater in students with lower income versus um, students of higher income who most likely have more access to things like books to help them stay on top of academics in the summer. Uh, The the study that I found most interesting was related to the MAP growth test. Um, The MAP growth test is a standardized test that's given uh, or taken annually by 20% of students in all 50 states. And There was a study that looked at some trends in that test. And the reason why this test is interesting is because it's taken in the fall, the winter, and the spring. And so these researchers have been able to pull data on not only looking at what was lost over the summer by comparing spring and fall scores, but also looking at from scores throughout an entire school year from fall to spring about how many points on this scale that students gain each year. And because of that, and because this scale um, represents kind of the range at which students should be over the course of time, this new study can kind of look at The expectations of what students are going to do kind of longitudinally and over several years. What's interesting about it is that this test has predicted the growth each year against what you lose over the summer. So, for example, in third grade, typically students grow about 13 points on this scale. And the summer after third grade, the average is that students will lose about two points on this scale um, and then kind of start heading upwards again in fourth grade, where students typically gain about 10 points. What this study has garnered using pulling scores from students across the United States is that they have clearly documented that um, losing some academics over the summer happens and it happens at a pretty reliable rate um, and and in also is really stable across the years. So between third and fourth grade, students drop about two points. And between fourth and fifth grade, students drop two points between fifth and sixth, between sixth and seventh, right? So that generally every year, and this is specific to reading, um, students lose two points. But what's interesting is what this study has also documented is that as students move up in a grade level, how much they grow actually becomes less, which you can kind of imagine, right? Because for example, my kindergartner learned a huge amount of new data in terms of reading. And you can imagine that when you get to sixth or seventh grade, you're not learning a whole lot of new stuff. You're just slowly climbing up your reading level. So what happens as you go from like Grade where you might gain 13 points um, on this reading scale. When you get to seventh grade, you're only gaining about five points. But what happens, which is why I said I should be thinking about maybe my sixth to seventh grader, is that you still lose about two points every summer. So that percentage in third grade is more like 20% of your reading ability. But if you're only gaining five points of knowledge in seventh grade and you're still learning two, that looks more like you've lost 40% of what you've learned. So this test has predicted that not only is the summer slide a real thing and students predictably lose about two points on this reading scale, but that that represents a larger amount of what they gain during the school year as they move up in grade level. A couple other studies to talk about specifically with reading, and then I want to kind of revisit the same information with math. Um, there was another study out of the University of Tennessee, Knoxville, by Richard Allington, who found he and his colleagues found that if you gave kids 12 books to read over the summer, that was as effective as summer school in raising students' reading scores. In this study, however, something important to note kids were allowed to pick their own books. And even as a parent, if you are going to create cringe at maybe what your child would like to read. Researchers in this study believe that giving students the choice of what they read is a a critical part of their reading success. So getting that buy-in and that desire to read is equally as important. So not forcing your kids to read books that you want them to read, but giving them access to books that they want to read. And I think this is totally not research-based. This is just my opinion. I think that if we're talking about keeping up with academics in the summer, but you also want to respect your child's ability to just kind of relax, then let them read whatever they want. You know, if they're reading Diary of a Wimpy Kid repeatedly, like my own son, you know, they are still reading. And that is going to help maintain um, their abilities through the summer and also give them a huge level of enjoyment. Um, And back to this study, uh, that choice of material is critical because the kids are more motivated to read and they're able to then build on words and facts that they already know um, because they are reading and they're excited about what they're reading. Another study out of Harvard Graduate School of Education led by James Kim found that regardless of income... The effect of reading four to five books was enough to prevent a decline in reading achievement scores. And this study also said that kids who had easy access to books ended up reading more. So just, uh, you know, that research is really showing that it doesn't take much reading To be able to keep up with what your kids learned. Right. Um, Four to five books in that range. The range of those two studies says between four and 12 um, books in the summer is really going to keep students at the level and kind of avoid that summer slide. Now let's talk a little bit about math. This is all new information to me. I've always talked about or this had this idea of the summer slide, even having been a teacher as it referred to reading. But if we go back to that map growth test, um, that can actually look at reading skills and math skills. And it has some of the same results. But what researchers have found with the MAP test is instead of losing two points on the scale like students do in reading every summer, consistently students lose four to five math points on the scale. What this is saying is that the loss of math skills is actually more dramatic double that of what you might lose in reading. So losing math skills is actually more of a concern um, over the summer than reading skills. For example, kids may move up about 16 points in third grade on this math scale, but over the summer they lose four. So using my own math skills that is saying that you're losing about a quarter of what you learned in third grade between third and fourth grade um, over the summer. And then again, the same with reading is that as students progress upwards. So if we're looking at a seventh grader, seventh graders only typically move up seven points on this testing scale in seventh grade, but they still lose four. So that is over 50%. So the other kind of research that's coming out is yes, summer slide is real, but it's actually greater in math than it is in reading. So math, if you're someone who is thinking about keeping up with academics in the summer, math is, I was going to say just as crucial as reading and it is, but it's almost something that you need to spend more time focusing on because research is saying that kids are losing more math skills. A couple of reasons why, and again, this is based on some of those studies. One of the studies um, is out of Harvard again, the same, the same group that was looking at reading skills. But these um, researchers feel like it's easier for kids to forget what they learn in math over the summer than it is for them to lose reading skills. And the reason is that many parents and kids don't think that math exists outside of the classroom. And that maybe us as parents think that kids learn math in school, and it's something that the school is supposed to handle. The other thing that I was reading, which I found really funny, was that uh, this article asked if you have a bedtime math routine. Uh, And I think it it was really kind of shocking to me that you. we all have this bedtime reading routine, right? Like we sit together and we read books as a... F- a family or with, you know, with several of us or independently every night before bed. But I've never had a bedroom math routine, right? Um, and the study was suggesting that it's easier to overlook the presence of math in everyday life um, because it's just not something that we're accustomed to looking at or thinking about things like measuring and cooking or um, calculation when dealing with money or talking about the distance when driving is that parents could or admit should start to look at when we're dealing with math in everyday life and sort of utilize those situations. This thing that gets lost most in the summer in terms of math is procedural. So an incoming fifth grader might retain the idea Or the conception that division is separating um, things into equal groups, but might forget the exact set of steps involved in solving a long division problem, right? So you're not going to, you will understand still the concept of division, but might forget how you actually divide. And that's going to take some relearning come school year. Uh, That study I mentioned, that expert James Kim um, from Harvard examined the success of summer math intervention um, in which students were just asked to do some worksheets every week. And while the majority of students did use the program in his study, a lot of them showed no improvement over the summer. So the study concluded that Without some sort of guidance associated with it, just working on worksheets is not going to correct summer math loss, and families are going to need to kind of do something more um, integrated another math study looked at students who did something called bedtime math, which I had never heard of until I was doing the research for this episode. Um, But they had said that over the course of a nine month school year, students who did bedtime math gain on average the equivalent of a three month advantage over their peers. And this study recruited 587 first graders and each were given a tablet and 420 of them We're told to work through word problems using an app called Bedtime Math. Um, And the kids who in that study who used the app two or more times a week outpaced their peers by about three months than families against families who rarely used it. Um, Using that app regularly eased the anxiety of some students who had anxiety around math and doing it even once a week eliminated a performance gap. So the results they suspect are due to just talking to your kids about math and are suggesting that that should become as routine as bedtime reading. Um, but The study also kind of recognizes that more research might be needed, but thinks that and feels like highlighting math in your everyday life, reading math stories, playing games and finding little ways to practice math is going to be um, really helpful to keeping your child successful, not only during the summer, but just year round Uh, now. And we're going to talk about my plan for a second, but just if I can, um, Before I had done some of this research, I had this plan that we were just going to kind of keep it simple in math. And after reading this, I realized that it's going to take a little bit more effort on my part if I want to um, keep some of their skills beyond just computation, which is what I was planning to practice. Uh, But we'll get into that in a little bit. So the summer slide is a real research documented thing. It gets more extreme as children get older and it affects reading and math, but it affects math slightly more than it does reading. Now, what am I going to do about it? Um uh this is the million dollar question, right? So I now know that I need to focus on some or create some plan around reading and math um for my kids this summer to give them a leg up over the school year. But the other thing that I want to say, um, because believe me, this is totally real for our family, is that my kids are ready for a break, and so am I, and I have every intention of giving that to them. Um my goal for summer academics is to keep it simple and to keep it steady. And that is something that I feel like has come about for us over several years of trying all sorts of different options and really figuring out what it is that's going to work for us. And now even starting to talk about that with my kids. We were talking about that this morning. I was talking about it with my 10th grader about, um, when we wanted, or sorry, in my 10 year old, not in 10th grader, uh, we'd be talking about totally different topics. If I had a 10th grader, um, just talking with him about his plan for reading and how far he's come. And then specifically with him talking about having done math packets in the past and having, um, really struggled in the late summer to remember math facts, like to, to, come up with a plan to do math more regularly so that not only is that packet doable all summer long, but that you enter in his case, fifth grade, and you still know all of the multiplication tables. And I've been talking about it with him to kind of get his buy-in. So that is the plan is to get my kids buy-in and to come up with a routine that is doable for all of us. The overall things that we are going to work on this summer And like I said before, we're going to keep it simple and steady because I want it to be doable and I don't want us to drop it our third weekend, which seems to happen every summer, is that I am going to have all of my kids read for 20 minutes a day. You know, that research is saying that it doesn't take much for the kids reading skills to stick with them and reading 20 minutes a day should hit that. Uh, We were talking this morning uh, about when that should happen. And my thought is that I want to get my kids in a routine. I'll have to update you in a few weeks to see if this is working. But that my goal is that when they wake up is when my kids do their 20 minutes, because inevitably, even if we want to do reading a night before bed, which Obviously, they can do and we plan to do and we often read before bed, but I still feel like in summer, sometimes you wind up playing outside with your friends until 9 p.m. and you just come in and hit the sack. So I would like to make sure that we read at some point before the evening time. And if we want to read at night, that'll be extra, but it's not, it's not, it doesn't mean that we're saving it for night and then it might not happen. So reading 20 minutes first thing in the morning is our first goal. And then the second goal was always that we are going to work on math facts daily. One of the things that comes home in the packet that we get is a lot of timed math tests. And the school that my kids go to is, is, always been a big proponent of timed math tests and learning your math facts. And the reason behind that is the better you know your math facts, the easier that math is. And I do absolutely believe in that. And I think that that is an easy way to do a minute of math a day, right? To do one minute of a timed math sheet just to keep up with skills. So our goal is to do a timed facts test every day and having learned from our own and this, you know, the cool thing about this is that all of these things can work at any age level, right? So my kindergartner going into first grader can learn and work on some addition skills using facts that are like adding one, you know, he can work at his age level and then my 10th grader, or I said it again, my 10 year old and my 12 year old can work um, at their own level. Um, So everybody can be doing the same thing in the family, right? And we can all sit down and do one minute of math, but everybody can be working at their own level, which is really cool. The other idea behind this math facts and something that we've learned from having avoided my son having avoided doing the multiplication and division till the end of summer is that for these kids that they're going to be doing every week, at least one, if we're doing math facts, let's say five times a week, that one of those would be addition, one of those would be subtraction, one would be multiplication, one would be division, and then one might be mixed, um, but that we're going to do something to try and keep all of those facts in our brain in the summer. Now, having done the research and learned that a lot of the procedural stuff is what's lost with math, math, not just necessarily computation. I am working now, <laughs> now that I've done the research, to figure out other ways to engage my kids in math activities. Um, I'm going to break it down by kid, just kind of what my thoughts are on what we might do. But the basics are: read for 20 minutes a day, and math facts throughout the summer, and the. The commitment level to that is pretty low, right? 20 minutes of reading plus one minute of math. So we're talking about doing 21 minutes of work every day in the summer, probably not weekends. So what do those ideas look like for my different kids, right? So I've got a six-year-old, a 10-year-old and a 12-year-old. Um, let's talk about what I might be doing for my early, for an early elementary school student. So not just going like my case from kindergarten to first, but that whole kind of K-2, what are you going to be doing with your early elementary school child in the summer? Um, absolutely doing independent reading at their level. So for example, my kindergartner can independently, my, kinder, or my coming up to first grader can independently read Elephant and Piggy books by Mo Williams. So those would be something I would make sure he would have access to that he can read successfully um, on his own. Um, The other thing with that age group is we want to make sure that we're also doing some read-alouds. You're still sitting with them at night or at some point reading books to them. And that is important because they cannot read more complicated books themselves and hearing language and hearing... um, Just the way that readers read is really important for that age level. Um, To that point, also, we use a lot of audiobooks. My youngest son doesn't have any devices, so he... We get audiobooks from the library on CD, and he is a CD player in his room, and he listens to audiobooks every night before he goes to bed. And that's another great way to kind of give your child access to reading and help improve their skills because listening to reading is also an important thing to be doing. Early elementary kids can still be working on math facts, but you might need to be careful about. Obviously, you don't want it to make it too hard, so you'll need to pull um, math facts sheets or that are at their grade level. Uh, I'll link to a page I found in the show notes um, that has excellent printable math sheets. Um, and they're very specific about what uh, fact that you're working on on those sheets. I think they're really cool. Now, some new stuff that I've added to the list after I've done the research. The app that one of the, the that the math research was talking about called Bedtime Math is available as an app. Um, and it's free, uh, because, because the creators of this app want kids to be working on math skills. So this app that was saying that working on this math at bedtime, um, is really helpful is something that, that I'm going to take a look at for my son. What I found in doing the research is this bedtime math is actually also a book. So if you wanted to, and I just ordered it, um, I'll link to it in the show notes. So if you'd rather not do an electronic before bedtime, you can actually buy a hardcover book as well called Bedtime Math. So I have bought that and we're going to try incorporating that into a nightly reading routine so that we are reading a math book and maybe a regular book. Um, And my, my youngest loves cooking and games. So I'm going to be looking. And if I find some great math games, like I know off the top of my head, we play a game called sleeping Queens. It might be a little bit above my youngest's level, but it involves a lot of addition and my kids have always loved it. I'll link to that in the show notes, but those are some of the ways that I am hoping to engage my youngest in academics over the summer Still keeping it simple, but maybe incorporating a few new things as well. Let's move on to upper elementary students. And this for me is my 10 year old who is going from fourth to fifth grader. We are definitely going to do the 20 minutes a day of reading. Hopefully we're going to work out a routine where we do that in the morning. And I'm happy to read with them. I think that that is something that's a great option. You know, if my kids are waking up, hopefully they're sleeping in, but they can come to my room and we can all wake up and read for 20 minutes. Uh, Maybe in my bed would be really cool also maybe taking a look at doing some read-alouds we don't read together very often but there's some fun books um one of the latest that we like to read together is a narwhal series and i can link to that too in the show notes um my middle son and i have always enjoyed reading books to each other so taking a a book like the narwhal and each taking a part um, and reading those two parts in the books um, is something that we would probably do um audiobooks are a huge thing for him. He we have an Audible subscription um, and he has a what is it called? An iPod. So he can listen to books and he chooses to listen to books every night um, as he falls asleep. And again, that is still important for um, upper elementary because it gives them access to books that they cannot read independently and to hear uh, more mature language and how that language is handled um, versus what they can just read themselves. My fourth, my headed into fifth grader is going to be working on math facts As well, again, with the goal of working on multiplication and division more regularly so that those don't become so hard at the end of the school year. The other thing that I just purchased after this research, the same research that suggested bedtime math also suggested a book series called Family Math, which is just a way to engage in math activities on a more regular basis. And so I'm going to take a look at that book. I purchased it and we'll see if that is a way to just kind of incorporate more math into our summer. And my 10-year-old loves games, specifically something like Yahtzee. So we're going to be exploring some math games. And then for that age group, I think something like a lemonade stand or an art stand is a great way to have children working and practicing money and counting and division and all of that stuff. So that might be something that, well, it will definitely, he's a big fan of a stand. So it was something that we'll also be incorporating for sure. Now let's talk about my middle schooler. He is the one that I hadn't really given much thought to. Um, and now have been thinking about based on the research, right, that, uh, he is more likely to lose, um, not more likely to lose that his summer loss represents more of what he learned during the school year. Um, independent reading for him for sure. Uh, and the math facts as well. Um, he also really likes a math website called Prodigy. My 10 year old likes that too. And that might be a good opportunity for him to just keep up with some math skills. He's also a huge fan of games and we can look at maybe some more complicated games with him now, um, strategy and things like that, um, that involve additional skills. He, and this is great for something like keeping up with math skills. He would really like to create some sort of small job for himself, maybe mowing lawns doing some weeding. Um, So I think that that is something that he's going to be working on to just kind of keep himself sharp as well. I think that would be a lot of um, great skills based practice for things like managing money and and reaching out to people. Um, And then for him specifically, he's going to be working on some of his Spanish skills. He wound up taking Spanish for the first time and really took to it and did really well in Spanish and has been um, put into an advanced placement class for next year, and we talked about using. There's some great language learning apps. Um, we've been looking at one called Duolingo, which has a free component, and. We're looking at having him commit to doing maybe 20 minutes a day of kind of some Spanish lessons. Uh, So those are some options for him, but I'll keep you guys posted if I come up with some additional things. I I feel like I'm a little lost actually with him. Um, He's 12, almost 13. I feel like he's almost too old for some of the summer camps Um, and he's got a good group of friends that he likes to hang out with. And this is the first year that he doesn't really have. I haven't planned any summer camps for him. My other two have summer camps, um, just to get out and do something. And, and I didn't really know what to do with a 12 year old. It seemed like he might be a little too old for that. Um, so we are definitely kind of in new waters (laughs) with him and I'll have to kind of feel the summer out and see how it goes. He's my, uh, learning curve, right? I don't actually know, but I do know that there's a few things I'd like to have him focus on and, and, um, new skills are one of those for sure. And continuing his reading and maybe branching out and doing some work for some neighbors. Um, a couple of other ideas for academics in the summer. Um, you know, I think it's a good time for kids to work on maybe new skills and, Not just for skills sake, but maybe something that they're interested in. I mentioned this last year. I think this summer is always a good time to maybe do some handwriting instruction. Um, My students went to a school, my students, my kids went to a school Um, where handwriting is was a huge uh, of huge importance at school. So they've gotten a lot of handwriting. They can all write in cursive. And I think it's a skill that's really valuable. Uh, A lot of people think that it's kind of an outdated skill, but there's a lot of research that states that that pen to paper um, can really solidify a lot of information. I know for me, I, I posted something on Instagram the other day about my planner. Um, and I have to write things down uh, to remember them at this point in my life. So um, I can vouch for that being a true thing that there is some value to being able to handwrite. Um, so this might be a time to try something like that. You know, one thing that's really in, um, I don't know if your boys might be interested in it, but, but doing some lettering, um, that is like a cool new hobby. Um, so something like that might be fun to work on. The other thing that um, would be great to look at over the summer is maybe look at some typing skills with as much as kids are on the computer. The one um, I know that my the school that my my the elementary school has sent home a typing program that they use, but my son also found one he really liked called Nitrotype, um, which is kind of a race car based um, typing program, but that might be something fun to kind of add to your repertoire this summer. Uh, maybe looking at some language activities like I mentioned for my oldest, there's a ton of apps out there designed to help you learn second languages. And then the other thing we were actually talking about this this morning, I used to do this when my kids were little. I would do something called Science Friday, SciFri. And I bought a science kit that was full of 15 experiments or something. Um, and I can link to it in the show notes. And then every Friday we did one science experiment and that's something kind of fun to just kind of help keep you chugging along on some academics this summer now on to the summer challenge if you've waited if this is what you've been waiting for this whole episode we are going to be running the boys build better summer challenge Um, and what this challenge is it's going to be through Instagram so if you haven't um, if you're not following me already on Instagram go ahead and do that you have to be following me to enter the contest and we're going to have several prizes throughout the summer but the big prize is a little bits Avengers set um, which is a really cool kind of STEM building set, and I'll link to that in the show notes as well. Um, and there are, you can enter every day in the summer starting in on June 1st, and you can enter twice a day. And the way that you enter is by posting a picture of your son reading or your son working on math facts or some sort of math activity with the hashtag hashtag. BBB Summer Challenge. So for every time that in this is designed, this is designed to have help you get your child motivated to work on academics over the summer. Anytime you catch them reading, anytime you catch them working on math, be sure to snap a picture and post it onto Instagram with that hashtag and you will be entered, your child will be entered to win this super awesome Little Bits prize. So that is the Boys Build Better Summer Challenge. There'll be more information coming out about that on on both our Instagram page and the Facebook page. So if you haven't liked um, either of those, um, go ahead and do that and get your child excited for the opportunity to win a super awesome prize and also keep up with their academics. All right, that's it. All of the resources that I mentioned are going to be available on the show notes for today's episode. You can find those at www.voicebuiltbetter.com. Um, if you've got a way that you're going to keep your child engaged, hey, let me know. Let me know on Facebook or through the Instagram page. Um, I'd love to hear what you are doing to keep up with your child's academics. As always, if you like the show, subscribe um, and leave us a review, and we'll Talk next time.